Welcome to the Fan Engagement Pod, a new conversation about fan engagement. Don't forget you can join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join for exclusive member services and benefits. This stuff is the teacher. 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 Welcome to episode 21 of the Fan Engagement Pod. If you ever wanted to understand what the business case for fan engagement is, listen to this interview with Sean Lockwood, Group Head of Marketing and Communications at Club Doncaster, which includes Doncaster Rovers, Rovers Bells and Doncaster Rugby League clubs. He's a relative rarity in football and wider sport in that he gets that the nature of the relationship between the fan and the club means that marketing strategy can't just be bolted on and has to be thought through. He's not scared of having to generate revenue, but does it in a way that fits the model. We talk about honesty and openness and their general presumption of openness at the club, how their values led and cover ground such as the difference between supporters services and standard customer services and the value of supporters boards and maintaining these important relationships. We also inevitably cover COVID-19. Doncaster were one of those clubs who, because they already placed the fan at the centre, were a perfect case study for getting their COVID ticket refund strategy right. Don't forget you can join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. We're introducing some exclusive member services soon, so join up. Right, so Sean, look, um, how long have you been at Doncaster for? What did you do in between the two periods? Because you've been there twice now. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit about your background, please. Uh, so yeah, I've been at Doncaster Rovers um, since 2008, um, but I had a couple of years out of football uh, where I went to work for an less body of the NHS and returned back in August 2017. Very succinctly put. Um, um, and what things have you been doing on and off since <laughs> 2008? Uh, it's why you uh, work in the job you do, Sean, because you're able to be that succinct. So since 2008, with that two-year gap, what have you been doing and what, what have you been doing before? What would you do now? So uh, my role's head of marketing communications, so covers a wide range of, of things, really. Um, looking at how we engage with fans um, on match days, but also on non-match days and our, our general support communications. Um, looking after and having responsible for our kind of our media messaging and, and what goes out there. Uh, and then a large part of it has been looking at what we do in terms of generating revenues away from football. Um, we we kind of have a business model where we have a, a football club, we have a rugby club, we have a women's football team, uh, but also we try and generate revenues away from all of those um, teams so that should relegation happen or uh, unforeseen uh, incidents such as a pandemic uh, we've hopefully got something to fall back on from a revenue perspective. I'm not sure you can quite build in that much resilience that you can be ready for a pandemic, but um, I well, think the point... improving over the past uh, <laughs> six months. <laughs> the, point, the point, I suppose, is more that you can deal with shocks because you're able to think the business functions, which means you're not worrying about the business functioning and ticking over, that when you do have things that are a bit of a shock to the system, it allows you to at least... In the business stand back and have a look and a think about how you're going to approach it what you're going to 
do pragmatically. Um, just in, out of interest, um, in a very general sense at the moment, I want to talk about obviously the virus and the COVID impact of COVID and all that. But um, you obviously at a strategic level, um, but nonetheless, um, you you have two competing demands in your job. One is communication as a good in itself, and the other is income generation. Yep. Now that is that is not easy, and a lot of clubs trip over that. Um, how do you avoid that? Is it something that you deal with culturally, organisationally, in the way you actually organise the company, the, the, the organise the football club and the, or the club, the group of clubs, the three clubs in the background? What? How do you do that? Because it's it's an interesting challenge. Um, I don't think it's as difficult as it people make it out to be, in all honesty. Um, because our approach is really straightforward and it is a cultural thing, but we are as honest and open with our communications as we can be to supporters. So with that in mind, and we always put the support at the need of what we're trying to do from the communications, but we also put the support of what we're trying to do from the revenue generation as well. So if we're planning on a campaign for season tickets, if we're campaigning for something on match tickets, if we're looking at something that could be a new product that we could we could bring out, such as a, a discount card, which we did a few years ago, then we look at, well, what does it do for the supporter um, and the fan or even beyond that customer if we're, if we're talking outside of football? Um, and is the value in there for them? And if there is, then that should lead to revenue generation anyway. So it's a sort of, um, it's, it's kind of values led, if you like, that the very basis of how you operate is not about a need to generate revenue to pay for um, the playing side it's not it's not that's not what it's about it's about what's the fundamentals that you put in place in order to run a club or clubs in your case and that is um and that is that you have to have an, a, a good relationship with the fans based on them being one of the key planks of the, the entire business itself yeah absolutely i mean Revenue generation is a big part of my job and it's something that we're tasked with and, and you know, in a, in a normal world, revenue targets go up year on year. Um, but that shouldn't be to the detriment of communications with supporters because supporters are the ones buying the products. So you, you buy from organisations that you like and the more you like them, the more likely to buy with them and spend money with them. So actually by having an open, honest uh, approach to, to everything, whether that's what we're aiming to do from a playing squad perspective, or it's actually we're going to have to change this product and, and, and do different things so we kind of do some bull comms around season tickets and we change a bit of the structure on that before lockdown moving in. But we kind of explain the decisions and supporters, some liked it, some didn't like it, but actually I just get on the phone and speak to them and explain the rationale and then actually once you've had a conversation and, and explain details and where you've got your information from even if they don't really agree with it they can understand it and respect it and and they like the time out that's been taken to, to value their opinion and, and have that conversation which again if supporters then feel respected they're still likely to buy something else rather than just feel well they got rid of that and i didn't like that and no one talked to me about it they just changed it and didn't want, and didn't tell me didn't explain why the decisions we made had been made a lot of the communication comes into that part and that helps revenue generation in my opinion so it's quite interesting you, the way you speak is very dare i say it's very is very focused on the need to generate income but in a very balanced way that i find doesn't i think there's an often an awkwardness about how clubs 
marry the two and either they go too far in one direction where they're looking perhaps too much in terms of commercial and revenue generation and the needs around that driving the business or they may be attempt to overbalance and try to be very very open about everything and actually um, that might sort of pull you in the wrong direction as well because you do need to be quite I think quite commercially um, ruthless in a good way I mean um, in in sport in football because it's a really it's it, it's it's a an easy sell but it's also hard to package up football and sport um, well to do it properly and sincerely and, and appropriately so you're so I, speaking to you is not the way you talk is, is is a little bit more well look we have to generate revenue but this is the business we operate in which is the fan is at the center it seems very natural is that something that is you um is it is it something that you've just done yourself is it something that's particularly led, particularly led from the top and then they've obviously found people who match that how's it how's that come about because that comes from somewhere because you weren't always like that as a club um I think we have a really good culture. Um, Gavin Baldwin, our chief executive, um, he he gets that balance really well in terms of the need to be open and honest and have a, a, a good communication base with supporters, but at the same time that we have to generate revenue. Um, the the owners are again really in tune to that, and they are very good at allowing us to operate as a senior management team, knowing that the culture is right. And we, we always try and do things for the right reasons. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that football, it feels like your clubs are this side and your supporters are this side and, and they're doing that when actually we're all on the same side. We all want what's best for Doncaster Rovers. You know, no one wants to get promoted uh, more than, than all of us. You know, we want to get out of League One. We want to go back into the championship where we were a few years ago. Uh, and supporters want that and club staff want that and owners want that and obviously the players want that. So we're all working towards the same goal. Um, sometimes you have to make decisions that can be a little bit short term and it doesn't feel like you're working to that goal. Um, but actually, we are all working to the, the goal. It just like we might have different methods and different routes of trying to get there or different pressures that we have to try and manage along the way. So I, I do think we've got a really good culture at the club. Um, I mean, my background is I'm more of a marketing person who then started to move into communications as opposed to someone with a communications background who then went into marketing. Um, so, but yeah, I just think we've, we've got a really good culture. And I think as that, we all, we all learn from each other, really. You do make it sound effortless. And I think probably what, um, what the difference is, is the leaderships, the, the, the essence of leadership in all of this. Then it's something I bang on about a lot is... You can do all of the um, the right things functionally, strategically, structurally. You can do all that sort of stuff, and you can still be a bit tinnied. It can still come across a bit insincere, and so the thing it just sounds to me like the you know the missing piece in a jigsaw like this is always about leadership. And I don't just mean the leadership of one individual at the top. It's about whether people feel like they can take those um, decisions and make those judgment calls further down the chain, if you want to call it. Yeah. yeah, and I think, like I said, I think it goes back to the cultural piece. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because we tend to have, in marketing, we've had people who have joined the club and have come from a different sector, uh, a finance sector, and it's, and it's been very much a, 
money, income, numbers, 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 you know, it's insurance, finance, and, and it's a case of, look, well, you've just got to make your funnel as big as possible because you will filter enough down um, and then you will hit your bottom line that way. Um, and you can see that sometimes it takes a little while for to kind of approach the, the, the click to what, what we kind of do and how we do things. But then actually, once they do, they, they really get into it and then feel like they we kind of empower people to make decisions. And so, yeah, the marketing person I'm talking about um, really found their feet and then started coming with ideas of, you know, we, we had a supporter who was a season ticket holder and he couldn't come to games anymore. Um, he couldn't drive. Um, he was he struggling with his eyesight, didn't have any alternative means. Um, but he managed to write his letter saying, look, I can't come. I'm really disappointed, but I just can't renew my season ticket anymore. Um, and as I said, my colleague picked up this letter and he'd only been at the club about 12, 18 months, but it had started to click and he just got this letter and he went, just came into the office and went, I want to invite him down to the training ground to meet all the players because it feels like this could be his last one song from based on what he's saying and, and can I do that? And yeah, absolutely. Can you do that? Of course you can. Um, but having in his first two months, he would have led that letter and just gone, that's a non-renewal. And then just that's it. It's a non-renewal. We can't do anything with that. Move on. Let's try and find somebody to, to replace that supporter rather than, I suppose, a warm goodbye to a certain extent as it was. There's the, there you go. There's the uh, people want a, an example of a really practical kind of commercial example of how football clubs is, and, you know, you, you can apply these to the to the women's football club um, and and also to the to the to the rugby league club Doncaster that, that's part of what you do is um, is you know yeah a customer service department or somewhere a supermarket or a shop of some sort might want to know why you've decided not to renew but they won't be inviting you down to meet the team if if you're physically incapable of getting down the shop anymore they'll just go well they'll, they'll get delivery or something like that because it's just not what the relationship's about so there's an essence of where you cap that's a great way of capturing albeit a very sad one but it's a great way of capturing the difference and that actually they're not going to spend any money because they literally won't be around because their life is probably coming to an end by the sounds of it. And, but actually it's about the sense that there's a, there's a point at which it ceases to be a commercial issue. It's got nothing to do with with um, season ticket renewals and retention rates. It's about being a human being, isn't it? Now, what I'm interested in here is let's look at where you are now. We've come, we've come, now seven months nearly down the road six and a half nearly seven months since football fans were not able to enter a stadium in the top six tiers of English football top six tiers yeah uh, down to National League North and South um I hesitate to ask a question like how's it been but how's it been um it's a roller coaster as opposed to a certain extent I mean obviously the the decision was made towards the end of last season that um, games weren't taking place, which I actually think came from sport itself rather than from the government at the time. I think that the instigation was from sport itself that they didn't feel it was appropriate. Um, and they, they cancelled games. League One, then it took a while for us to organise what was happening with our league. So the way the EFL work is they wanted each division to make um, minds up as a club, as a membership organisation, the teams in League One to decide what was happening in League One, and the teams in League Two decide what was League Two, and the teams in Championship decide what happened in Championship, which is why you had this different kind of approach to each division 
Um, and that took a while. And then, you know, it was it was fairly obvious that we was going to be hard hit in the long term. So we've we've had to make some difficult decisions and, and staffing decisions, unfortunately. Um, and then the season got curtailed. And then we were looking forward to trying to get supporters back in the stadium fairly recently. Uh, you know, even two or three weeks ago, we was we were looking at that. And and now obviously we've gone to the point where that's not taking place and we've not really given it a, an end in sight for when anything will change. So so that's been fairly difficult. Um, throughout it all, uh, you know, cliche, but our supporters have been genuinely amazing. You know, we've we've tried to keep communications up. We've tried to give them information as and when we had information. Uh, Gavin's done that, <coughs> excuse me, Gavin's done that through um, web stories uh, and speaking to the local press. But we've tried to do it from a position of facts rather than a position of speculation. Um, because there's a lot of speculation anyway and has been a lot of speculation. So for us, let's talk about facts when we know them. Uh, I like I'm going into a Rafa Benitez rant there, but it wasn't the intention. Uh, and then, yeah, we've, so we've tried to do that. We've, we've, we've spoke before about our refund strategy and how we worked with our supporters board in terms of pulling that together and the choices that we made in terms of how we refund the end of the 2019-20 season and what we did and, and how the supporters board basically came up with that, that plan. Uh, and we just facilitated it and that went down incredibly well and actually we were asked to find more ways that supporters could donate money to us so it's it's been incredible from that aspect it's you know we've we are hit we're not revenues are are down compared to what they would normally be at this time of the year um across the board whether it's football rugby stadium or other things that we have taking place um but in some aspects we've got some a bit of green light and things have started to pick up in others actually it's going to be really difficult uh, for a period of time now until we can we can really get fans back in or or we know what the alternative to that is in terms of uh anything that may come from from the powers that be above us so so that refund strategy i know um we, we put something on the on the fan insights website on the fan engagement hub people can have a read but just for those who are listening now um just tell us a little bit about what you did because this wasn't people need to understand i think and they don't necessarily understand people some of the people listening i hope will because they'll be working in clubs and in football and in sport but um this wasn't just a matter of uh refunding fans because that's the quote unquote the right thing to do this was also about um the club's finances because this money had been committed for the season um and you can't just despite what people think you can't just remove a huge amount of income from a, from a, from a business and that business not suffer. So how did you manage those, you know, that alongside the fact that, you know, people, some people weren't able to work, so they would have lost money despite the scheme, various schemes that out, were out there or that they, you know, they were perhaps looking six months ahead and going, well, I need to save this money because I'm not going to have any more. I might run out of cash. So how did you, how did you balance that need in your fan base to respect that but also the fact that look if we don't do this properly then we're removing a we're kind of chopping potentially chopping one of our own legs off um and, yeah. it, and we're not going to be able to keep 
we need to keep the business going beyond this. Yeah, and I suppose it goes back to what we started with, with you know that that balance between revenue generation and communication. And although this isn't revenue generation, it, it's that financial need and an element that you know does limit business. Because yeah, there isn't a you know when we take our season ticket money, it doesn't sit there in a bank account. Uh, until the end of the season and then we decide what to do with it you know it, it comes in and it gets spent straight away because that's how business operates so we we obviously knew we had a problem we had a problem in different areas so we had season ticket holders who were going to miss three home games that they paid for we had individuals who bought match tickets for home games individuals who bought match tickets for away games um, and then we had some um, I suppose on incendiary products such as Things such as uh, we do multi-game tickets, which are not, not quite a season ticket, not a match ticket, but voucher-based system. So, um, and different things like that. So, again, open and honestly, we we spoke to our supporters board and identified the problem in terms of this is what our refund liability is, um, which was substantial. It was six figures um, across the board. We explained that you know if we have to do refunds across that at six figures, it's it's going to cripple us. Uh, for obvious reasons, because there isn't that that chunk of money lying there, and we've got no income coming in at that point. Either. And, and again, as a club, we are we have a lot of options. We're fairly well run. We've got a you know five side cages on site. We've uh, we had a concert lined up for the Killers that was you know bringing money into the club. We have a car boot every Sunday. We've obviously got F and B from conferencing across the stadium. Um, we have discount card schemes that I've talked about before. So we have a lot of fingers in pies that aren't specific to football, but lockdown ended all of them pretty much uh, straight away. So we was honest with our with our comms, explaining the situation, um, understood people's own financial insecurity is that taking place and and basically put an open letter out through through Gavin and through the supporters board and kind of said, look, we are in a position where if everybody comes back and asks for a refund, it's it's crippling. Uh, we understand some of you out there will absolutely need your money back. And we completely understand that. And so if you do need a refund, it's available to you. Uh, if you don't need the cash, but don't want to feel like you're out of pocket, then we can create vouchers and you can exchange those against future products and services, uh, whatever they may be. Uh, sorry, sometimes I go into marketing background and talk about products and services. I told you I was a marketeer by background. Um, and then the other side of it was said, if you are able to donate your refund to the club, uh, please do. Um, and please let us know because then we know that our refund liability is, is shrinking uh, bit by bit. And the response was phenomenal. Um, you know, and, and some of it, again, it's, it's weird, it's football. So we explained to supporters that some supporters were coming to us and said they wanted their refund back for away tickets, but not home tickets because they didn't want the opposition club to, to have their money. <laughs> they, you know, they were happy supporting Doncaster Rovers, but didn't want to support rival down the road kind of thing. So we then said, actually, the, the money from away income doesn't get passed over to the away club until after the game is played. So that's actually, you know, still with us and it's still our refund liability. It's not like we're going to claw that back from, from the opposition. Um, and actually that changed some people's tax as well. It's like, well, actually then, no, I've spent it. I, I class it as spent. I, I know it's not a situation out of your own doing. Uh, 
you need it more than I do. And, and I, they have been phenomenal. I cannot say how much Doncaster Rovers supporters, how wonderful they've been during this time. We've had people who don't normally buy a season ticket buying them over the summer, even though they're only going to attend six or seven games, uh, or maybe not even that now. Um, but buying them because they said, we think you need the money. And so here you go. Here's something for us because, you know, it's, it's my football club and I, I want it to still be here for my, my future generations. And I suppose that's what it's about, really. It's about that family connection. It's about future generations. You want to pass that on to, to people and keep it going down the line and, and share those traditions as long as possible. So, yeah, it's been amazing, really, really amazing. I've rambled on there, but, yeah, I can't... No, 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 it's all good. So it's, so it's kind of um, one of the hardest things with fun engagement as a strategic um, a priority in a, in a, in a, in a, in a club... Um, and it's something I found very difficult in some senses to get across when I, when I originally started uh, going out on my own, um, uh, 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 which was to kind of get across the business case for fan engagement as a, as a, as a, as place, as a, the idea of placing the relationship with the fan at the centre of the football club. And that actually that does mean something. It isn't just something you say. And then you work to you kind of run to keep up with that. You actually integrate it, and that's the thing that you've done here, right? Is you've integrated fan engagement into the business as a as just it's it's one of the things you do. It, it's just a natural part of the business, rather not one of the things. It's, it's a natural part of the business. It's what you do because that's what the business is. In the same way that you would do it if you run a you know a, a leisure centre, you run it in a very particular way. You don't run it the same as a supermarket. So some of the things that you've talked about in regards of the ticket refund thing and covid more more generally is that you've got a robust business because you've built those relationships and one of those things is things like the the sometimes pernickety politics of the supporters board because it can be hard dealing with supporters boards when you've got groups of people with all sorts of different different opinions you've got different politics between different groups some groups do sometimes think they're more legitimate than other groups, that they've got somehow more, more legitimacy, more right to say something on a particular issue. Um, so all of that has been worth it. What, um, what, you know, has there been a particular thing that you've done as a, as a, as a club in this time, uh, previous to this time, that has proved most useful, but well, a part of the structure? Is it the supporters board? Is that, is that, is that the thing that's been, Probably, it might be hard to put your finger on one thing. Is that the thing that sort of proved its real value at this time? I, I think, yeah, it's, I've got a large example, a wider example and a smaller example, actually. So, uh, and all about fan engagement. So, yeah, I think support of the board, absolutely. I think, you know, we've, we take our supporters board seriously. We were, you know, before the, the rule regulations came in and said that you had to have the conversation with supporters X amount of times a year and stuff like that, we were already doing it. We, you know, uh, we had fan forums, we had meet the owners. Uh, Gavin and I used to make sure we we travelled and went to all the supporter clubs forums uh, out in the different parts of Doncaster and we used to try and meet regularly with the, the kind of the, the secretaries of the supporters clubs or the trust and, and do that on a, on a monthly basis and, um, and make sure we had conversations beyond that over the phone or email etc. So We've been doing that for some time and I think communication really comes down to it and we've got a good group of people in our supporters board and they all have differing views of opinion from time to time. But again, they, they just see things. You know, we've launched a 22 to 24 season ticket product 
and category based on feedback from our supporters board. Because one of the individuals on there, one of the youngest ones, actually said, look, people my age are struggling. They're coming out of uni and they can't get a job straight away and they're struggling. And, and that jump from a 18 to 21 bracket to a full adult is hard. Could we have another stepping stone in place? Uh, and we thought, like, it was a good idea. We looked at the data and, and yeah, agreed with him and, and so did that. So the supporters board have been magnificent. And I think, yeah, I think the work that we've done with the supporters board over a number of years, not just in lockdown, has been really helpful. But beyond that, it's all sorts of little things and you don't realise that you're doing it at the time. So we had a supporter who he wanted a refund uh, and he wanted a refund for this coming season. And he said it was due to health reasons and, and not feeling confident. Um, and I kind of wrote back to him and said, look, completely understand that. I went, but at this stage, I don't know what the, what the compensation is in terms of what season ticket holders will get with regard to streaming or anything like that for, for next season. And actually, based on the number of season tickets he had, what I was trying to explain to him is, you might need a refund on one of them because there was two of them in your household. Um, but one of them you might want to keep open um, because it might give you streaming for home games and away games, which are going to cost you more than the refund that you're going to get back if you want to follow them that way. And I asked him to pause the decision for, for just two months. I said, look, this is June. Give me until August. I will know more information. And at that point, I will absolutely make sure you can have your money back straight away if you tell me you still want it back. But let's just see if we can. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of hoping that I could convince him to, to keep his money in the club because obviously that's my job again it's revenue generation uh, but at the same time didn't want him to feel like I was fobbing him off and he actually wrote back to me and said um, I didn't realise it was you Sean who was, who was going to respond uh, we met a few years back and it was in my first time out at the club we did some tours and we just did some random price tours with the stadium and actually had our manager first team manager join them as a bit of a surprise part way through the tour um, and he'd been one of those tours, him and I had got chatting and I didn't know his name uh, at the time, but he went, I, yeah, I, I think it's, the fact that you're, you're coming back to me based on his previous interactions, I'm more than happy to wait two months. Uh, and he quoted that in his, in his response. So sometimes you do things and you don't know the good it's doing at the time. But again, if it's that fan engagement and it's part of the way of doing things in culture, then long-term it, it reaps the dividends, I think. Yeah, there's that word culture again. I was talking about with um, with Darren Bernstein, who's now um, on the board of Berry AFC, the new the the, the reformed Berry, um, and and he was talking about the values and the culture that they're they're in a very fortunate position in one sense that they're able to build something from scratch, but still, when you come into an organisation, a football club, in um, you you have the opportunity as a, as, as leaders of groups of people to be able to bring a, a culture, a particular culture in. Um, and it, and, and if you do it and you, and you do it and you trust your instincts, if your instincts are good, then as you say, it gets to this point, all the, I've noticed certainly that all the people, all the clubs that have, yeah, everyone is, there's no sense that I think anyone's having an easy crisis because I think every club is struggling in all yeah. sorts of different ways and, and the absence of fans, not least that with the financial impact, but all the clubs that were, that were doing it right before have had a less problematic crisis now because they kind of bought, they bought themselves time. Um, it does create, again, it's that sort of, 
and it was um it was again it was the conversation with Darren earlier it was um it was kind of saying that that it um that it just allows you then when when things later on are difficult um people people appreciate that that they've been involved that they feel like they're being listened to that their their custom such as it is is important you know and because it's rooted in this whole appreciation of their their position as a as a as a fan isn't it i think so and again it goes back to that honesty and it, you can be honest across everything and in my opinion you don't always need to go out and say oh well we're going to sign 30 players and it's going to be really exciting we're going to get promoted you can be honest with your your conversations and we've done it this year without a shadow of a doubt we've kind of we've explained that given the financial situation given where we are our playing budget has reduced compared to what it usually is we still think it's going to be competitive so far the pitch looks competitive but we will also we will be utilizing the loan market and we won't be signing players for three four-year deals we'll be It'll be one-year deals with an option for us because it gets us through the next 12 months of the uncertainty. Um, well, we've been quite clear about that and, and almost unapologetic behind it because we think that's the best way of running the business and the club at this moment in time when we don't know when we're going to get ticket and income back to what it was. And we don't know if there's going to be another lockdown that will completely, you know, another 12-week lockdown will completely, you know, take a lot of our revenue streams away again. Um, the ones that aren't football related. So, yeah, I think if you can have that honest conversation, it does genuinely work. And I don't think you always need to spin things and saying, well, we're going to bring X amount of players in and they're going to be at this level and, and stuff like that. You know, it, it, it helps if you can do that sometimes from a football perspective and, and you know, fans get excited and you, you want to kind of sell the promotion at the beginning of the season every time because, you know, Game one, everyone's on zero points and therefore everyone can win the championship. Uh, but at the same time, you've, you've got to be realistic and honest. And if you can do that and do that often enough and prove your conspiracy theorists out there, because whatever it is, there's always conspiracy theorists who, who think that, you know, the board don't want to get promoted because it costs them too much money and you know, they don't to get relegated because they don't have to put as much in and all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, none of it is true <laughs> in, in any aspect. It's... If you can do it on enough, for people will believe you, and it does. It buys you that time, and I think, yeah, I think the conversations we've had with supporters and the way we've spoke to supporters over the past, you know, six or seven years has really helped us over the last six or seven months. So, what does um, uh, the you know the next? I mean, we're talking at least six months now. Are you? I mean, first for a start, are you are you working on the basis that fans are not going to return for the whole of the season? Um, are are you are you secretly for I don't know what reason optimistic that they might return sooner? I don't think there's any evidence of that. Um, you know, how do you see things panning out um, beyond? Well, I mean, you know, how do you see things panning out beyond this six months? Because after this six months has passed, and let's say, I mean, you know, a lot of it's about vaccine. Um, there's an awful lot about public policy and the way government delivers things and the way it makes decisions. A lot of people, are, including some of their own MPs, MPs that Damien Collins are quite upset about. Um, uh, you know what? It isn't suddenly all going to disappear. We aren't going to just walk out blinking into the sunshine in 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 March and go right. Let's get back to football again. What yeah. are you planning for in in just general terms, and how's that going to impact on how 
you deal with fans over it because this is hard, isn't it? It is. So, I mean, we made some really difficult decisions in the in the summer and and from a staffing perspective as well. So, but by doing that, we kind of gave us a bit of breathing space for this year and we budgeted for, you know, unlike that we would get fans until January, which I know wasn't what was being said, but we kind of wanted that breathing space because we felt that was a prudent thing to do in terms of our budgeting. Uh, it's... It's going to be hard if we don't get fans till January because, again, when confidence picked up, uh, we kind of picked up and, and made some decisions that way, I suppose, as well, from a, from a playing squad perspective. So it's, it's going to be difficult. I think we, we tend to be creative as an organisation and we're going to have to be creative again um, to, to come up with, with something. My main fear is looking at what we do with supporters. You know, we've long term you know I'm, I'm mindful that we've got people who bought a season ticket this year and at the moment that is a it's it's a tv subscription pass in all honesty and we need to look at how we can do something for those supporters for next season and reward them both in my ideal world would be monetary but also with some sort of legacy as a you know these people kept the club going at a time when it could have easily been the other way around um, again, we're going to have a challenge with that because at the same time, in order to have a decent competitive playing budget next season, then we need some sort of season ticket income coming in over the summer next year. Um, and if fans haven't seen any live football, I'd be loathed if I was a fan to go and pay money for another season ticket if I'm not if I pay for someone and haven't seen it over the past 12 months, if you've seen what I mean. So that's going to be difficult. In the meantime, we're looking at what we can do from a, a digital perspective. Um, and trying to see what we can do in making sure the supporters feel engaged on match days and beyond and, and just keep the communication levels up, whether it's regular conversations with Gavin via uh, the press or via club channels, whether it's uh, we're potentially looking at a digital meet the owners event, um, digital family fun days, just whatever we can do to keep the conversation going and pe keep people engaged with the club. Uh, so they don't think that we've forgotten them just because they're not attending to the stadium every morning anymore and all we do is send them a pass every two weeks so they can watch a game and then forget that they're there because that's not our style. We want to make sure that they they still feel valued, they still feel supported uh, and, and continue to want to support us uh, as much as they possibly can do. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. Uh, we're going to have to be creative, but hopefully we'll be okay.